Welcome to the Dev Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm joined by Nick Rouse, as usual. And we're going to review the Missouri loss, a 20 to 10 loss in Columbia. Uh, and then preview uh, the Georgia Bulldogs coming in ranked fifth in the country with one of, if not the best defense in all of college football. So, uh, Nick, uh, Kentucky's got their hands full on Saturday. But before we move on to the dogs, uh, I guess we have some questions to get to, then we'll get started. Yeah, Freddie, the last time we talked, I was really down in the dumps for folks who listen to KSR Football Podcast. I didn't go by the 24-hour rule. I I blocked it out, didn't even think about it on Sunday, and so it lingered for 24 more hours. But I, I think like the team, I'm a little fired up. Uh, just I, That's good. I'm, I'm glad you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still still not very happy about what happened on Saturday in Missouri, and, and uh, I guess I got to move past that. So uh, you want to roll with the questions? Sure, sure. Chuck just asked simply, "WTF is wrong with our offense?" Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's getting right straight to the point, isn't it? Because uh, that's pretty much what it comes down to, Freddie. Uh, yeah, hard to win football games when your offense is only getting a handful of first downs. Yeah, eight first downs against Missouri uh, compared to twenty-six for the Tigers. That that won't get it done. Uh, Kentucky had far too many three and outs. Uh, was not very successful as as it had been all year on third down, uh, two and nine, which which won't get it done, and and then you know everybody's talking about well what about the running game? Well, when you only have thirty six plays, and I think twenty two of them were rushes. You know, a running game is is not a game or not a concept or not a scheme that is established by. Uh, chunk or explosive play. The Kentucky running game, when it's going, is is on schedule. It's it's on the chains. It's it's keeping the ball moving. It's in third manageables. And Kentucky didn't do that at all. Uh, you know, Rodriguez only had nine carries. AJ Rose had eight. Those were the two running back carries that Kentucky had. And when you have that few of uh, of attempts, you're not going to get a lot of yards. And and that's what happened. You know, you look at PFF graded the Kentucky offensive line in the top five in the country against Missouri. Just didn't have a lot of opportunities. So, uh, two, uh, passing game was was not there whatsoever. Uh, five of 14. Uh, won't get it done. 36 yards through the air. Uh, so, it's just, it's just, it's just not it, – it was it was a tough outing for Kentucky. The cast looked flat. I mean, let's just mm-hmm. be honest about yeah. it. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, from snap one – I could tell. I, I I felt something. If you'll remember, Nick, I felt something all week that that mm-hmm. that, that was going to happen, and unfortunately, it did. But what's wrong with the offense? Not enough plays. Not enough plays, and not enough players making plays when they have chances. Uh, you know, quarterbacks missed open receivers. Receivers dropped the ball. Uh, uh, blitzers got home. And then, you know, I would say this, when's the last time we've seen a contested catch from a Kentucky pass catcher? So right. it was just a failure with the offense. I thought, honestly, the defense played good enough to win. You give up – if the opponent has 92 offensive plays and a team only gives up 20 points, that has to be considered 
somewhat unheard of. It's it's baffling, but Kentucky only gave up 20 points. Seven of them was late after uh, a 21 play drive by Missouri. Then Kentucky goes three and out. You know, that defense is gassed. I don't care who you are, which defense you are. Uh, it's it's pretty tough to stop an offense once you're on the field that long. Uh, Chris asked a question that I think uh, can kind of hit a nerve, and it's, is the offensive line as good as we thought at the beginning of the year, or is play calling the reason for a lack of consistent running game? And, Freddie, what I thought was interesting is even though, like you said, power, Pro Football Focus said it was one of the five best offensive lines in the country uh, last week, Eddie Grand. Uh, Luke Fortner, they they were pretty adamant that they weren't up to their own standard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody really was, to be quite honest. Any grouping was against Missouri. Um, but, again, I mean, it's the law of averages. 22 carries. I mean, it, it, unless you got Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson back there, I mean, you're not going to beat anybody when you only have that that few of carries. So, mm-hmm. I think the offensive line is as good as we thought it was. I mean, that's just not me. That's just not KSR. That that's national folks. That's Cole Kublik. That's people that knows what they're talking about. So, um, you know, Georgia is not exactly a get right game. To be quite honest yeah. with you, no. I mean, that's the best that Kentucky's going to see all season uh, at the at in all three levels. So. Uh, got their hands full Saturday, but I, I think this offensive line is as good as advertised, um, but just not given the opportunities to create holes, not to given opportunities to, to, to have a high number of carries, which gets you the high number of yards, which gets you more first ones, which keeps you in the football game. Kentucky didn't do that through the ball uh, more times than I thought, especially early on in the game, especially early, early on in downs. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And and in early downs, which puts Kentucky at third and eight and plus, and, and this team is not built; it's not constructed to live off third and eight plus. And that goes back to a question I remember asking you, maybe week one or week two, about throwing on early downs. And yeah, I think in the Tennessee game, you saw a slant go for a first down, and the offense got humming, and that was on a either a first, it was either a first or second down throw, and. Yeah, that that was on that first drive of the third quarter, and so you saw what an efficient first down pass like, what an offense can look like if they're efficient on first down throwing the football, right. and putting the defense on their heels. Kentucky tried to do that at Missouri by throwing to start, and the the problem is is as soon as it goes wrong, I mean it's just a disaster. And and I think the worst part of it all was it, it got in Terry's head. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Like there, something, something in between his ears wasn't working. And it wasn't like he wasn't uh, – I, I know the coaches said he made a couple of bad reads, but the one throw in particular, Freddie, Josh Ali was running like an over route, and he was open. Yeah. He was there, and Terry just put it in the dirt. And he had all the yeah. time in the world, and it just something was off with him. And yeah. so may, maybe changing things up will help his, clear his mind to where he can play the future. I know he's got that hand injury. Uh, but just something in between the years wasn't right for Terry on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I'll be. I'll, it will be interesting to find out when the hand injury occurred. If it was early, then then that would make sense of Terry being being off against Missouri. Uh, so you know, I, we don't know when that occurred. 
but yeah, you're right. I mean, and then Ali had a, had a drop there uh, that that could have moved the chains. And then the first play of the game was there. Kentucky just didn't connect on it uh, with the with the wheel route or, or vertical route with uh, Keaton Upshaw. So um, you know, we'll see. Nick, you know, looks all signs are pointing towards a quarterback change, mm-hmm. not for, by performance, but by injury. Terry didn't practice on Monday, Tuesday. We don't know about Wednesday. We could find something out today, but I don't, I don't really don't know why we would do that. You know, no reason to, to let Georgia know who's starting now, uh, you know, this close to the game. So we'll see uh, what happens on Saturday. I have a feeling it'd be Gatewood, though. That's just yeah, yeah. And, and then yeah, and, and I wrote a post. I probably probably going up today on KSR about yep. w- what he could see in his first start, and it's not good. I gotta I mean, say, it's not too, good. folks, if you all because I, I was I, I was the editor, so when I make any mistakes on there, you don't blame Freddie, blame me. But when I was reading through it too, for the folks who are football nerds, like Freddie, really broke down just the different like. And you, you don't even have to be a football nerd, but it really, I think, encapsulates just how difficult of a job it is for a quarterback, all yeah. of the stuff he has to account for. And it's only amplified more by just playing against a difficult Georgia defense. Yeah, I mean, little things like, you know, against Alabama, uh, Georgia had some Big Ten defensive tendencies, uh, you know, blitz in the corner when the ball's on the hash, there was a high likelihood – but on a down and distance, that Georgia was going to blitz its cornerback. Alabama caught him, caught them once, and had one-on-one coverage with a safety on mm-hmm. one of those all-world wide receivers and scored a touchdown. So, yeah, on the hash, you're going to see corner blitz. You're going to see four-week blitz. Do they you know, blitz corner from blitz. the boundary? Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. And and then those linebackers come on, on first through third down. The thing about it is, an offensive line can't block four-week. Four-week meaning you count from the center over the the fourth defender, if you don't have a tight end on that side, is unblockable. So that is the quarterback's man. Mm-hmm. On a cornerback on a blitz, that is the quarterback's man. He's unblockable. So if Gatewood or Terry or whoever's – or Bo, Bo Allen's back there and they get smacked by four-week or by a corner, that's on them. They have to pick that up. And then, oh, by the way, Georgia shifts their defensive line before the snap. So you have to identify the Mike linebacker or the middle backer to, 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 and to put in place your blocking scheme, all that going on. Thank goodness for Drake Jackson because he directs traffic up there or that would be something else that the quarterback would have to account for. So this is not a, 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 a friendly outing for a first-time quarterback. It's not a friendly outing for a veteran quarterback. No, uh, you know, so so Gatewood, if he does start, he's got his hands full, man. He, I mean, there's a lot of situations, especially with those linebackers blitzing, uh, that you don't know where they're coming and they come quickly, quickly. A lot of Mike, a lot of wheel bl- uh, blitzes, and, and and that's just it gets it's that, uh, that also accounts for against the run, they come downhill fast. So the RPOs are going to happen a whole heck of a lot faster, the reads, the, the execution are going to happen a whole lot faster than probably Gatewood's seen in his two years of college football. So a lot of things to keep your eyes on Saturday. So Austin asks, what could have possibly been going through Eddie Grant's mind during the Missouri game to not run Rodriguez more, particularly after repeated three outs, what could the downside have been? And 
Freddie, I found it interesting that in the midst of what was an apparent quarterback change that a lot of folks were more upset that Eddie Grand used the rationale that we didn't have more plays, kind of like what you said earlier, which is the yeah. truth. Uh, he's had the most carries out of any back in the last two games. I think where the sticking point is to be more particular is why didn't Chris Rodriguez get the ball, not more, but after Kentucky stopped Missouri on a 21-play drive when you just need to get some aggravating yards. And I think in there's been just been a lot of situations this year where he is the like the obvious choice to be the back there, but instead they go with A.J., I don't think they're going to do that anymore. I don't think they're going to defer to AJ uh, as much. I don't think that means that AJ isn't still useful. He obviously had uh, more, almost half of Kentucky's offensive yards in the first half in one play. Uh, but there are situations where th- it feels like this is an obvious chance where, where you're just trying to get some aggravating yards, and Rodriguez should be the guy to do it. Yeah, I mean. When you only run 36 – again, it's the law of averages. You know, 36 plays, you're not you're not going to get a high number of carries. And then when you have a more passes, you know, per ratio than you're looking than, – than normal, it is what it is. But, but I, again, I, I don't understand why Rodriguez was, was not in the game after that 21-play drive. Yeah. If anything, to move the – if you're not going to score a touchdown, get a few first downs. Right, right. Uh, just to give that defense a rest because, you know, football is circular. Right. Well, Missouri was very successful in third and fourth down, which extended drives, which kept the defense on the field because Drinkowitz called plays for four downs instead of three. Totally different way to call an offensive game if you're counting on four downs instead of three downs. You know, on third down, you just want to get close enough where it's where it's more manageable on fourth down because the Kentucky offense wasn't doing anything. You're not scared of giving the ball back to them no matter where you are on the field. There was one play in particular. I think it was third and ten. They ran it for five yards and then threw it for on a slant on fourth and six or fourth and five or whatever it was. And it was obvious that's how they were playing. Um, but I did like a line that Adam Luckett used the other day. He said two punts or two first downs and a punt is a win against Georgia. So <laughs> you you can't be going three yeah. and out for this defense because uh, you know we'll get into it. But uh, Kentucky's defense they'll they can go toe-to-toe with this Georgia offense. It's just a matter of keeping them fresh enough to to be able to stay in that war. Yeah, and and then the Georgia offense is is traditional. Per se, they'll use a fullback. They'll they'll try to establish the run. Kentucky's been good against the run. Kentucky defense is not, you know, last three games has been pretty good. Well, it's been great and then pretty good against Missouri. So, um yeah, I mean, you can't go three and out. You can't. Kentucky cannot afford to have uh, uh, negative plays or tackles for loss or incomplete passes on early in the downs. Again, you cannot live in third and eight plus against this defense and expect any any resemblance of success due to, uh, you know, Georgia's got the best two safeties that Kentucky's going to face. Got uh, Richard LeCount, who came back to Georgia, could have went pro the country in interceptions. And then seen is just a daggone headhunter back there. Uh, he is a very physical, hard-nosed defensive back. And then you got Eric Stokes at corner. I mean, every level of Georgia has pros, and they they rotate in with future pros. So 
Uh, can't get behind a chains there, Nick Roush. That, that would be that would not be good. Not at all. Uh, one texture simply asks, Keem Hayes, it's this uh, Brandon, is he going to play again? And uh, I got a feeling the answer that's no, Freddie, just because uh, the spot where he would go has now been filled by Michael Drennan. Yeah, and that's a good thing. I mean, for Michael Drennan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about Keem Hayes. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and, and that's that's not that's none of my business. So I don't know why he's not playing. Uh, but if he's not, then then that's good to get Michael Drennan in there. I'd like to see more more of Isaiah Cummings. You know, something just to give a jolt to those that receiving core that uh, that that you know well, we need to see some contested catches. We need to see some separation, and then we we need to see the quarterbacks throw it to them. And you know, when when you're not confident in, in the passing game, that takes away half of it right there because you have to be confident in your receivers that they're going to make a play for you. And then the receivers have to be confident that the quarterback's going to make the throw to them. So, again, it's a circular thing. It's just, uh, it's got to happen. It's got to pop. It's got to point in time. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it. I think just any sort of fresh blood in there will be encouraging to see on Saturday, especially from a guy as athletic as is Michael Drennan. Um, yeah. Uh, who's worse at their job? Asked Bryce Bailey. SEC broadcast team from the Missouri game or SEC officials? Ooh, that's a good one, Ooh. Freddie. Well, well, since Kentucky only had one penalty called on it uh, against Missouri, I'd have to go with the broadcast team. Well, I think uh, they're talking about officiating in general, aka uh, the officials Auburn. who call Auburn games. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's unique there. So yeah, but but the the broadcast it sounded like there was a vacuum cleaner or something in the broadcast booth it really really got on my nerves it was just an annoying game it was an annoying saturday the game you know the vacuum cleaner in, in the broadcast booth kentucky didn't play well kentucky gets beat it was just an aggravating experience yeah. not just for me but for all fans and uh you know i and then it just this whole two weeks that deals thrown me off because all week i thought the georgia game was at 7 30 and i made all my trick-or-treat plans for a night game and now it's a noon game and then now i gotta you know go to paintsville <laughs> friday night then be back for the show it's just it's just throwing me off so uh, i gotta get my game together are you you dressing up for halloween Freddie? no 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 but i will take ellie around and we'll we'll get some candy and we'll hopefully split it 50 50 so i can get some good sweets in this weekend see we don't get trick-or-treaters at my house but i still buy candy because like come on Halloween. Yeah, you gotta eat. Yeah, candy. what's your favorite What's, Halloween candy? Oh man, I like anybody that that gives out the little Snickers. I, I love the little Snicker bars. That's a good call. You can't go wrong with Snickers. I, I, I like the Snickers. I like the Reese's. I like the Twix. I'm a big chocolate guy, but my favorite is Kit Kat. Just because I feel like you don't really seek out a Kit Kat bar during regular times but halloween when it comes in a little two-pack it's just mwah, perfect yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well let's get to one more question then we'll roll on with the dogs how about that okay uh this question is about joey gatewood um yeah. and uh, i feel like it's a good way to kind of transition into it um talk up to this point this is from matt Sorry, Matt. I almost forgot your name. Talk up to this point seems to indicate Gatewood is somewhat limited as a passer. Can you elaborate on the strengths and weaknesses of his game? Are we certain 
there are throws we can expect it, or are, are there certain throws we can expect to see from him on Saturday? Excuse me, man. It's all over. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he is a limited passer because I've not seen enough. There's not a, been a, a big enough sample size at Auburn or at Kentucky. So uh, that's something that we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, throws, play action, RPOs, I think will be his bread and butter. Uh, Georgia gives up a lot of plays over the middle due to the fact of the aggressive nature of their linebackers. So uh, something something of that that we could expect to see. Uh, I think you'll see early screens, early sure completions, just to get Joey Gatewood some confidence against this defense. So uh, it, it's a wait and see for everybody. I mean, I've, I've not seen anything that would indicate that he is a limited passer. So uh, I'll have to wait and see what he does on Saturday to make that judgment. And Freddie, the, that's what's made him such a mystery just in general is that not only do we have really nothing from Auburn other than he just lost out to Bo Nix, which, hell, he could have been better uh, than Bo Nix, right. but the legacy factor, so you don't you don't really know. Uh, and then, too right. – we typically get not not only does the media get into like a spring practice and a fall practice. We didn't get a spring game. We didn't get right. uh, fan day. You know, there's a lot of opportunities we would have had to see him just throw a football. And really, there's only he's thrown what three passes, and I think almost all of them he's he, he they're lasers. He throws darts yeah. in there. Uh, one of them was fumbled. There was a drop once. So. If, if all of those throws had been kind of across the middle. So I don't think that just indicates that's all he can do. But I think the reason why folks assumed he might be a limited passer is because of the, just what you heard from camp when they talked about the quarterbacks. It, it, there were a lot of the talk was Bo Allen's accuracy, Joey Gatewood's athleticism. So it's yeah. more of what you're not hearing. Um, so we didn't really hear much of that. But, Freddie, I think the way that Stoops was talking – Gatewood might be the best option just from a Q run standpoint. Um, so, like, I, I mean, it ha the Q run game hasn't been that good this year. Terry Wilson struggled at times. Maybe that can make uh, – Gatewood can make Kentucky's offense more dynamic. And maybe he does just uh, just put a couple more in there that, that hadn't been there before. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's unknown, Nick, and, and, and that's – <laughs> that makes Saturday even more interesting is, is really we, we've not seen enough to, to make a, a judgment on, on his passing skills. And, and, you know, he was a highly touted quarterback coming out of high school. So, you know, if you trust the recruiting process then, uh, or the evaluations, uh, then he should be able to throw the football. So, mm -hmm. I mean, again, we'll, we'll the, wait and see. The worst part too, Freddie, is he could play great and it still doesn't matter against his defense. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. <laughs> uh, well, I guess let's uh, go ahead and get into the Georgia Bulldogs. Where Freddie is, even though Kentucky has not beaten them in the Mark Stoops era, yeah, played them tough. That that the, the Kirby Smart's first game up in Lexington, uh, the Cats had to settle for a field goal on the final drive to tie the game instead of taking the lead with a touchdown, and you kind of knew that 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 was your opportunity to win the game. And then last year in the tsunami, Kentucky went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Yeah. For, you know, um, uh, certainly half, almost three quarters. And you had a Chris Rodriguez drop touchdown um, that really 
that was your your opportunity. You had that, and then you had a real yeah. bad holding call that kind of got him out of a scoring opportunity. But Kentucky's at least played this game uh, closely for the most part, but just not able to get over the hump in recent years. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. And Kentucky has traditionally played Georgia well, so so that's something. Uh, I think it's because of Georgia's traditional offense, and it's not one of these up-tempo, even though Georgia would try to play with some tempo. It's not crazy tempo that we saw against Ole Miss. It's not all the deception and all the pre-snap uh, misdirection of, of, of Missouri. So before we get started, I want to wish Griffin a happy birthday. He's a friend of mine from my hometown that's uh, not feeling so hot, and Griffin does a good job uh, taken care of. So just want to wish him a very happy birthday, Nick. Happy Rouse. birthday, Griffin. I hope it's uh, yeah. not too spooky. <laughs> just like the right dose of spooky because that's going to be fun too having your birthday around Halloween. It, you know, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it would be. My birthday's close to Christmas. So I, I, it kind of oh, ruined man. it for me. Yeah, I know. That's awful. Well, the, on the you might not get as good a presence, but at least you can, you know, like, at least you can do cool Christmas things for your birthday. Yeah. Like a birthday present kind of deal, too. Absolutely. All right, Nick Roush, you want to get to the recipe for success? Yes, I would love to hear the recipe for success because I'm trying to convince myself that uh, a win's possible. So, all right, hit me, Freddie. Let's, let's start with the offense. Point one, got to, Kentucky has to reestablish and stick to the run. Again, it's a law of averages. The more carries you have, the more chances you have to pop one out of there or, or to, to uh, move the chains. Kentucky had only 22 carries uh, against Missouri for 98 yards. I mean, that's a, that's a really no, low number for Kentucky because I thought the Cats would have to rush for 200 yards to win the game. Only had 98 yards. Uh, Kentucky's rushing average has dropped uh, to 184 yards per game. 4.7 yards per carry. Uh, Georgia is leading the SEC by only allowing 65 yards on the ground, and that equals a 2.2 yards per carry. So Kentucky will really need to establish and stick to the run. There's going to be negative plays. There's going to be plays that the result in no gain um, because of that Georgia defense, but you got to stick to it. Got to stick to it because, I mean, that, that's that's really, uh, you know, if you're looking at offensive strength, that it is the strength of the team. So you got to reestablish and stick to that run, Nick Roush. Yeah, and even though it might be difficult against this Georgia defense that I think is fifth or sixth nationally in yeah. rush defense, it's even though the other team, like we saw this in the Mississippi State game plan and we saw this in the Missouri game plan, just because their defenses aren't as good as the past doesn't mean you got to get rid of, away from your bread and butter. Yeah, because Georgia's allowing 253 yards a game through the air. But, again, a statistic, a stat buster is they played Alabama. Mm -hmm. And Bama threw for well over 400 yards. So, uh, that kind of rose that, that kind of leaped that number up there a little bit. Uh, point two, win the turnover margin. Kentucky right now has a plus three turnover margin. Georgia is plus one. In a, in a game where you're the, the prohibitive underdog, you cannot win that contest if you have turnovers. You got to play a clean game. No turnovers in this game whatsoever. Uh, Kentucky has to exceed the season averaging the passing game. You know, the Cats right now, Nick, are averaging 124 yards per game. Uh, that's last in the SEC to have a shot at an upset. You got to get more than that. Georgia's giving up 253 uh, because, uh, you know, they will take chances. Again, we talked about the corner blitz, which matches up 
uh, receivers, tight ends on on linebackers and safeties. When Kentucky pass catchers are, are matched up against linebackers and safeties, they have to they have to take advantage of that. Uh, and cannot live in third and eight plus because that that could be catastrophic with this defense that gets after the passer so well. Uh, move the chains. I hate to keep referencing the Missouri game, but eight first downs off 36 plays uh, will not uh, equal a, a good outing against Georgia. Uh, you got to have some. You got to have players make plays, right? And and you got you got to have a, a, a contested catch. You got to have yards after contact for the runners. Something you got to do something to move the chains because Georgia. Georgia's only allowing 33% on third down. So mm-hmm. you got to have – at some point in time, I mean, everybody's talking about coaching, coordinators, whatever. Players got to make plays. They're on scholarship for a reason. You know, whether it's making a block, whether it's making a, a tackler miss, run, yards after contact, whether it's making a contested catch, something. Players got to make plays at some point in time, and I think it's we're, – we're more we're overdue to see that on Saturday, Nick Roush especially in the passing game. I mean, we talked a lot of averages and it, it, as far as the, you know, getting the plays correct, but like eventually one of these pass plays just needs to be a, just, like I'm pulling up the stat now. Kentucky has a two play pass plays over 30 yards this year, two yeah. play pass plays over 30 yards in five games. I mean, I just, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make some people miss in space and, and get up and down the field. The team that leads the SEC and opponent long scrimmage plays is the Georgia Bulldogs. And I also lead the, the conference in opponent long rushing attempts, which they've only given up eight, eight rushes of 10 plus yards. So, uh, and it goes to these linebackers, uh, Aziz Aljaluri. Uh, is a havoc-producing machine. He has already 13 quarterback hurries and three quarterback sacks. I mean, he's a nightmare. Monty Ross, Rice on the inside, 24 tackles, leads the team, uh, has a sack. N'Kobe Dean uh, has seven quarterback hurries. Quay Walker, inside linebacker, 19 tackles, four quarterback hurries. Nolan Smith, 14 tackles, four quarterback hurries. It's a, a, a 1.5 quarterback sacks. And it's just – it's crazy. There's over 30 quarterback hurries within the five, six, seven linebackers that Georgia will rotate in there. I mean, again, this is an elite defense at all three levels. But in Georgia's 3-4, those linebackers are, are their bread and butter. That's where they hit home. That's where they have most of the havoc plays. Uh, and they are just scary good, Nick Roush. Yeah, really – Blitz pickup, I mean, good. blitz pickup is – I hated blitz pickup periods worse than anything in the world. But Kentucky, I mean, they, they had to have several periods in practice at blitz pickup because they're going to see it. My impression of just – like, I, I, I thought about it, just how miserable I bet those practices are this week. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. <laughs> I mean – I would say so. Um, but at least Fortner, he was like, you know, we're flying around more, getting out of routine, getting out of routine, a.k.a. just getting our asses kicked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a great, uh, great play on words by Luke. Uh, defensively, Nick, got to stop the chains. You know, you got to move the chains on offense. You got to stop the chains. Kentucky uh, gave up 10 of 20 on third down 
against Missouri. First of all, having 23rd down opportunities is, is mind blowing. Uh, but then, uh, and then four out of five on fourth down. So Kentucky's got to stop the chains. Georgia's averaging 22 first downs a game. Uh, of those, uh, uh, that's the average, but it's, it's got 44 through the air, 38 on the ground, and six by penalty. So got to get off the field and, and didn't do it against Missouri, but got to do that against Georgia. And Georgia's going to establish that downhill running game, uh, and that's what they want to do and play action with, with Stetson Bennett. Number two, got to get your hands up. Alabama knocked down several of Stetson Bennett, the force passes at the line of scrimmage. If, if pass rushes don't culminate or end at the quarterback and it's a stalemate, get the hands up. Knock, knock passes down. Deflect the pass. Hopefully Kentucky's defense has been opportunistic in the past, but a deflected pass for an interception, something. But Kentucky's defensive linemen and pass rushers have to get their hands up because Bennett is 5'10". 5'11", I mean, that's what he's listed at, so we really don't know how tall he is. Uh, get the hands up, maybe get a batted down pass. This would have been a big game for Calvin Taylor. Huge game for Calvin Taylor. Would have loved to have a big 6'8 dude on the defensive <laughs> line ready to yeah. swap down passes like he's Anthony Davis. Yeah. All eyes on number 10, number one, Karis Jackson is, is Georgia's slot receiver. He is their go-to guy to move the chains on third down. He's averaging 15 yards a catch, 21 uh, receptions for the season. And then number one is George Pickens, six foot three, 200, can fly. He's their 50 50 guy. And then number seven, Burton is another, he's a true freshman, is another uh, receiver for Georgia. So, but, but uh, Bennett really wants to get the football to Jackson and he will, he will force that as, as much as he can. Uh, Pickens is banged up a little bit, not sure his status. So we'll see, but he is, uh, he's unpredictable. I mean, he's the guy that squirted the water uh, at mm-hmm. the at the player there, and, and then he was the guy that got in a fight against Georgia Tech, and missed half the ball game. So uh, he's unpredictable, but he is he is certainly talented. He uh, George Pickens is also the name of like a, a guy who owns the general store in town, <laughs> or you go to Old Man Pickens' store. Like th- that's a great Southern name. Yeah, it is, and then. Hold the Georgia Bulldogs to 150 yards rushing. Georgia's averaging 165 right now. Uh, Zamir White is their leading carrier, 266 yards. He's averaging 4.2 yards per catch. James Cook is, is also good back there, and he is a, a pass-catching threat. Uh, UK's only given up 129 yards a game, so this is an accomplishable goal for the Cats. And they're going to see a heavy dose of running because uh, I think – you know, uh, uh, Kirby Smart has made references to get back to the Georgia uh, way, uh, personality or way of football, and I think that means offensively running the football. Uh, and I think that for Georgia, uh, the best-case scenario for them offensively is to get the football into White's hands and Cook and the running backs and do that, uh, the passing game. Uh, Bennett was 18 of 40 at Alabama. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, had a couple turnovers too. Yeah, absolutely. Special teams don't do not kick the ball to Kenny McIntosh <laughs> uh, on the kickoff. He's leading the SEC with thirty six point three yards per per return. That's dangerous. So kick the ball through the end zone if possible, or kick it away from McIntosh. And then I and this has to this be Max's best day as a Wildcat. Uh, because I think it could turn into a field position game. 
and he will need to flip the field and get the football down and pin Georgia deep and, and, and maybe win the field position game. That could be a way that Kentucky could hang in there, and we'll see. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's the Georgia Bulldogs, Nick Roush. Do you think there's a I, – I don't anticipate Kentucky just going back to forcing five turnovers a game. But if they get a few, do you think there's a chance we could see a good old JT Daniels in there on Saturday? You know, it's possible. I mean, they said he's ready. So, uh, I don't know. The Georgia quarterback situation, you know, Bennett was, what, third, 13, something, before he got in against Arkansas. And, mm-hmm. and he's been there ever since. Great story. Right. Grew up a Georgia fan, walked on, went to JUCO, came back. And, and I really uh, appreciate his – his journey as a quarterback. And I think, you know, he's, he's living his dream. Uh, but you know, the, he's when limited. Georgia, <laughs> when, yeah. When Georgia traveled to Alabama, you know, I, I, I I'm not a betting man, but I, if I was, I would have taken the tide because I mean, you can't <laughs> beat, you can't beat Nick Saban in Alabama unless you have a dynamic quarterback. I think, uh, I think Bennett's a, is an excellent game manager. And uh, that I don't I don't perceive that as being a uh, a slam on him whatsoever. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I think Georgia will try to get back to that running game. And then defensively, Lewis Seen, we talked about that safety man. He's a headhunter. Uh, something that Joey Gatewood is going to have to do uh, pre snap is check out Lewis Seen, who is the uh, uh, strong safety or, or free safety, and Richard LeCount, the strong safety. See where they're located. Because safeties are pre-snap indicators of coverage, of blitz or no blitz, et cetera. And, and, and Gatewood, if, it, if he is a starting quarterback, is going to be staring down to two of the best in the SEC. So that, that's going to be a challenge for him. And, again, like we said earlier, LeCount is leading the nation in interceptions. I'm curious, Freddie. Uh, the – where was I going to go with this? Where was I going to go with this? I, I damn it. I, I did the thing where I had a couple of things I wanted to ask you. And then I got just completely one overlap the other. So I'm here now just talking and I don't know where I'm going with what I'm saying. If that makes sense. It does. <laughs> <laughs> well, Because I, I I'm not going to lie, Freddie. Yeah, I, I saw a transfer portal thing, and I just thought immediately of Mississippi State. Yeah, they're they're getting they're getting hit pretty hard right now. Yeah did uh, you did you anticipate like I know that the the Mississippi schools before the year started it was kind of like a all right which one, who's going to made the better decision Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach both are wild cards which one's going to pay off better Did you kind of anticipate things going the way they are right now? No, I did not. Uh, but again, uh, you know, you recruit players to a certain system. You bring in uh, a coach that changes that not only offensively, but how the whole program is ran and operated. So, I mean, there's Mississippi State's kind of got a mess going on right now. I, I think the last I read is seven, eight, seven or eight players that yeah, are no longer week. on the team or in the quarter in a week, and and that's pretty tough. Uh, you know, I I, I like. I like the Mississippi State program. You know, I'm, I'm fond of Starkville, unlike everybody else. Uh, I, th- I like Mike Leach, and I hope the best for him. But, man, it's it's not going very well for him down there in Starkville. No, no, not at all. And even though they're both one-win teams between him and Lane, at least Ole Miss is, you know, aside from 
Mississippi State's first win of the year against LSU where they were on top of the mountain. I mean, they haven't really been in any games. I mean, it's been no. it's been ugly. Whereas at least Ole Miss, I mean, you know, they're a they, they try the onside kick to to really pull off the haymaker against Alabama, but don't get it. Uh, yeah. And you have the officiating fiasco with Auburn. Uh, so they, both, it's I, I, I it makes sense, Freddie, because of the personnel mismatches. But I just didn't think that it would be this quickly. You know, I mean, where it's yeah. Halloween and the wheels are falling off. Uh, but yeah, to get back to what I in that time, I, I came back to what I thought, what I wanted to ask you uh, originally. And that's, you know, things could get weird on Saturday. There's going to be a blue moon. You know, it's Halloween. Like things could get weird. You know, Joey Gatewood could bust off some explosive plays, some kind of plays that we haven't seen before. For Kentucky to win the game, I know you you kind of outlined the recipe, but what kind of score are we thinking is is doable? I know a lot of fans are out there like oh, it's going to be ugly, but like if if there was to be an upset, what, what are we thinking as far as score wise? Twenty four twenty, maybe something of that nature. Uh, Seventeen fourteen, you know. I for Kentucky to win, it's going to have to be a low scoring game. I think. Uh, yeah, so I, I I I can't see this being a shootout at all because you know we've talked a lot about the the Georgia defense, but the Kentucky defense is is playing well as also. I mean, you know, right now uh, the Cats is rank, are, are ranked seventh in scoring defense with twenty only allowing twenty points a game, third in pass defense, two hundred twenty eight yards a game, uh, allowing one hundred twenty nine on the ground. Kentucky's the fourth in total defense in the SEC. Uh, and second in defense in the red zone. So, you know, we, we talked a lot on this podcast about the Georgia defense, but the Kentucky defense is playing well and and, and has for the last three games. Uh, Jamin Davis is leading the team, team with 45 tackles, a tackle for loss, a sack, two interceptions, and he's fifth in the SEC in tackles. Uh, Yusuf Corker has now moved up to the second leader after the 18-tackle performance against Missouri with 39 two-tackles for loss. Uh, so yeah, I mean this Kentucky defense is is playing well and playing at a level that it it can't compete. And I think, I think uh, the outside view of the Kentucky defense is much different than the inside what we all think or you know the fan base thinks of this Wildcat defense. Well, and we're also kind of blinded by the inept offensive play. So like, you know, yeah, it's it's it's, it's blinding at times, but I know PFF had it as this was the two best defenses in the SEC going against each other, uh, and there's plenty of other yeah. metrics to back it up. And even you get your SEC network analysts, it's at least the top four or five um, between it's it, the 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 lead of the lead are Georgia, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Those are the 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 big four um, in some yeah former fashion some order so uh you know stetson bennett if you can get some pressure on him uh i mean the one thing that i did the missouri game i don't think kentucky's edge players were up to their standard we had seen in the previous two games when those guys are really humming they're just on a different level and you had you had plays where you know, your boogie's there, but you can't bring them down, and they get three or four more carries. That that outside zone was kind of getting to them. They weren't getting good leverage on tackles. So, 
if these guys are p- making plays in the open field and and just getting some havoc plays, it can force Georgia into some uncomfortable situations. So um, I, I'm at least uh, hopeful that it'll be a close game for for some period of time, and that's you know very dependent on how the turnover game goes, Freddie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kentucky's got to win the turnover battle right now at plus three compared to plus one for Georgia. So yeah, Kentucky has to has to win the turnover battle, you know. And 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 then you talked about we talked about the the running game being a law of averages. Kentucky averaged four point three yards per carry against Missouri, and and you and Missouri only had, only rushed for three point five yards per carry, but had a ton of them. Uh, you know, the the Tigers had three players that had more carries than Kentucky's top carrier, which was Chris Rodriguez with nine. Missouri had three. Roundtree, uh, I can't remember the guy, the other runner Beatty, back's name. Batty. Beatty. Yeah. Beatty and Basilak all had more carries than Chris Rodriguez on Saturday. So, you know, the long average is there. You're averaging 4.3 yards per carry. You get more carries, you get more yards, you move the chains, different ball game. So, uh, yeah, Kentucky can't have a low number of plays and rushing attempts against Georgia if that if that happens then then all likelihood Georgia you know will win the football game so uh, it's about I will keep my eyes on the number of plays uh, in total offense because the, the, you know Kentucky got whipped in that category against Missouri they did uh, you know what Freddie if nothing else this game will cleanse us of the Missouri game what's well it could be for better or for worse I mean, absolutely. I mean, you got to put that behind you, and, and that's you know, if we, I, I would expect Kentucky to be highly motivated against Georgia. I, I really would. One, it's Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I mean, you're coming off of, of a of a performance, especially on the offensive side of the football, that 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 you know has has to be embarrassing uh, because Missouri is an average at best average. CC defense and to totally stifle the, the cats like that was, was baffling. And, uh, you know, that, that unit, that group has some pride to it, especially on the offensive line, you know, Drake Jackson, Luke Fortner, uh, Landon Young, Derek Kennard, uh, those guys, Kenneth Horsey, they, they, you know, they have to be, have to be a little ticked off about what's been said about them and, and, and their performance against Missouri. So I would expect the cat for the cats to come out motivated. I, I think they'll play better. Will it be good enough? We'll see. I mean, again, there's so many unknowns here. If if Gatewood is indeed the starting quarterback, and then we have to look at, well, what if something happens to him? What if he struggles? What if, you know, what if he gets dinged up? Then we're going to see the first look at Bo Allen, and, and that will be a really, really tough uh, moment for Bo Allen to come yeah. in against this Georgia defense. <laughs> uh, I think that's safe to say, Bernie. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have success because I'm 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 sky high on Bo. I think, I think he's you know I think he's the future, and I think he can sling it all over the yard. And I, I would like to see see him uh, play against Georgia just, just to see uh, how he how he reacts and, and knowing him and and knowing his mental state and how he prepares for the game. I think he would be just fine. Well, I hope we can feel just fine after this game on Saturday, Freddie, because. The, the worst part about the, the switcheroo of the schedule is at least whenever it was the other way around, uh, you could you could see a scenario where, like, the Missouri game wouldn't be a bad time to break in 
you know, a new coordinator or excuse me, new quarterback, but doing it against Georgia and then you've got the bye week to like let it stink around. So yeah, you know, hopefully hopefully we aren't letting it stink around uh next week. All right, Nick. We I, I totally stunk at my SEC games last week. Um we'll throw out the Kentucky, Georgia, because I gotta do that tomorrow or not tomorrow, Saturday. Here I am still screwed up thinking it's 7.30 on Friday, but, yeah. Uh, LSU at Auburn. Uh, Auburn's just been skating by, so eat at Auburn. Go Tigers. I'm taking LSU. Yeah. I, I, I like that young quarterback. I think LSU finally had found some answers on defense. Uh Beat up on South Carolina. I didn't see that one coming. I missed that last week. But for some reason, I think uh, LSU would get down there and get after them a little bit. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. Ole Miss. Yeah, not even close. Um, yeah. Mississippi Wolf. State at Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be that's gonna be ugly. Uh, I'll take the, the tide in that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to look up the spread in this next game. Um, because Arkansas A&M, even when Arkansas was just – the worst team in football. I mean, they've, they've been horrendous in the last few years. They've always played that game close at Jerry World. And are they still going to do it at yeah. Jerry World? I don't think so. I, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it, oh it, it, it doesn't educate. Yeah, but a- I, I will take is, they, they opened as 15-point point favorites. It's down to 12-and-a-half. And, and I, love, yeah. I love that line for Arkansas. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially and their defense. Zer- gonna be, they're going to they're gonna zip them up. Missouri at Florida. Oh man, I think the way I think it's going to be a, a sneaky good game. Yeah, yeah, I really do think that's going to be a sneaky good game. I'm uh, I'm. Surprised. I'll take Florida. I, I think I will too. But man, Florida, the way they've handled COVID ever since Dan Mullen got all snipey, like. Not a whole lot of I don't know. I'm getting some weird vibes from that program right now, Freddie. Yeah, me too. And then the last game is Belfry at Johnson Central. Man, Johnson Central's offensive line's good. Yeah, they're pretty daggone good. That's good. That's a good game. That's the defending three A champions and Belfry against the defending four A champions, four A champions and Johnson Central. Uh, you know that's going to be a heck of a ball game. Two great coaches, two great programs. And and uh, it's a it's going to be a classic, Nick Rouse. Mm-hmm. Home to the home teams have not not fared very well in their Kroger KSR game of the week. So no, not at I all. I think what is it? Is it one and six? Is that what yes, it is? That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, so, is that the KSR curse? Maybe I'm, I might be. Some, you know, it's also one of those things too, where we're typically picking pretty evenly matched teams. And, yeah. You know, sometimes there's something to being the kind of on on the road that uh, you know the kind of us against the world mentality yeah so i uh, maybe there's something to it where the could the, be right right so yeah could so, be watch out johnson central last word on the on the kentucky georgia game nick where you got <sighs> i actually do think kentucky's gonna play them close um and then there's gonna be one really boneheaded something in the third quarter that all goes awry and the cats end up losing by 10 points. We'll call, or we'll call it 21, 10. Yeah. Um, 
Man, that, that Georgia – I mean, we've talked a lot about the defense for Georgia, uh, some about the offense, man, but that defensive line, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Malik Herring, I mean, it seems like we've heard these names for years now. And uh, there's not a player on the Georgia starting 11 that I, I can look at and say he is not going to be a future pro. And that's something. I, I mean, I'm serious. I, I've right. tried. I mean, I, and there may, you know, I, odds are not all 11 will be drafted. But, my God, they're good. I mean, they're, they're fast. They're long. They're talented, extremely well coached. And they play hard. I mean, they're aggressive. And uh, that's what Kirby Smart wants. And, and uh, didn't work out at Alabama, which goes to show. I mean, in this day and time, does a in the SEC, is a good offense better than a good defense? And, and oh, That's been the question of the week. Thanks to Nick Saban. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a new day and time. It reminds me of the era when Steve Spurrier came to the SEC. Changed everything. I mean, everything, not only on offense, but defenses had to change. Recruiting had to change. And, uh, you know, I I can see today being that same era where the SEC is morphing into offensive league. It's taken a lot longer than it did, you know, in the Big 12, uh, but but it's changing. You know, it starts with Alabama, Ole Miss. I mean, there's some offenses that are just lighting up the scoreboard. And uh, it's it's the new era, and, I, and, and, and you know you're going to hate this, but I really and I talked about it last. I like what I see out of Missouri. Uh, I really think Basilak is is a future star in this league, and and, and I like what they're doing. So I don't know, man. It uh, it could be uh, could be true that that the offenses in this conference are will trump defenses. So we'll we'll see how it goes the rest of the year. Hmm. Hopefully for the better. The defense has had a lot of strain thus far. Uh, they they need some help from the offense this week, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just, just a little, a little bit. bit. Well, Nick, thank you for for hosting, and, and hope you're doing well. And yeah, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Please subscribe, and what else I got to do? Rate us. Rank yeah, us. rate, review, uh, and tell your friends about us. Yeah. Yeah, tell your friends about us. Listen, this is this is something good to listen to in pregame. How about that? There we go. Exactly. And we appreciate any and all nice words, recommendations, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>